afternoon, church. Uh, my name is Sky Becker, and I'm one of the campus pastors here at New Philly Shilin. And I'm, are you guys ready to hear the word? Yes? Because <laughs> I'm really excited. Uh, I know it doesn't show much because I'm so chill, but <laughs> I'm really excited um, to bring the word today because it's, this is a topic that's really dear to my heart. And I'll be sharing a lot of my personal testimony today. Uh, I think it'll be a very sweet message, so um, yeah, be ready. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> what was that? <laughs> today, I want to talk to you about one of the names of God. You know, God has many names, and we hear of some of them in our songs. Do you guys know some of them? I hear like mumbles, <laughs> like uh, Adonai, like God. Lord, my Lord, Master Adonai, or I'm trying to say it the original way, Yahweh Nisi, which means the Lord, my banner, and Elohim, God, mighty creator. And one of my favorite ones is actually Yahweh Roi, which means the God who sees me. But the one I, w- I want to talk to you about today is my favorite, favorite of the favorites, which is Abba, Father, Abba, Father. God is our Father. Let's turn to today's passage, uh, Galatians 4. Galatians 4. I'll be reading Galatians 4, 1 through 7. Galatians 4. One, I'm reading from the ESV. I mean that the heir, as long as he's a child, is no different from a slave, though he is the owner of everything. But he is under guardians and managers until the date set by his father. In the same way, we also, when we were children, were enslaved to the elementary principles of of the world. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of woman, born under the law, to redeem those who are under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. I want to explain the phrase Abba, Father a little bit. Um, The Aramaic word Abba is normally translated as father, or a lot of people know it as daddy. But Oxford linguist James Barr, (laughs) sounds fancy, right? Explains in his article for the Journal of Theological Studies that Abba isn't actually daddy. Barr discovered that Abba was not merely a word used by young children. It was also the word that Jewish children used for their parents after they were fully grown. Abba was a mature yet affectionate way for adults to speak to their fathers. And the word Abba appears three times in the New Testament. And in each case, it is followed immediately by the Greek word pater, which means father. Pater is not the Greek word for daddy. The Greek word has a, the the Greek language has a word for daddy, which is the word papas. It's really cute. But that is not the word the New Testament uses to translate Abba. Instead, in order to make sure that our intimacy with God does not become an excuse for immaturity, It says, Abba, Pater. So the best way to translate Abba is dear father or dearest father. 
That phrase captures both the warm confidence and the deep reverence that we have for our Father in heaven. It expresses our intimacy with God while preserving his dignity. And we learn of this identity of God as a father from Jesus, which was a shocking concept at the time when he first taught it to his disciples. Um, because, in fact, in the Old Testament, God is refer- referred to as the father only 15 times, either when he's referred to as the father of the nation of Israel or a father of certain individuals. But in the New Testament, we learn that father was Jesus' favorite term for addressing God. And it appears on his lips 65 times in the synoptic gospels, which is Matthew, Mark, Luke, the three gospels. And guess how many times the word father appears in the gospel of John alone? Anybody take a guess? 500, good guess, but a little, a little less. <laughs> it was actually 134 times just in the book of John. But that's a lot, right? I, when I first read this, I thought I read it wrong. So I was tempted to actually count the words, <laughs> how many times it appears in the book of John. But I'm glad I didn't because the sermon wouldn't have been finished. Um, but 134 times Jesus refers to, Jesus says, or not just Jesus, but the word Father appears 134 times in the book of John. And here are, here are the, some verses that reveal God's identity as a father. 1 Corinthians 8, 6. Yet for us, there is but one God, the Father, whom all things came and for whom we live. Ephesians 4, 6 says, One God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. John ten thirty says, this is Jesus speaking, I and the Father are one. And Psalm 68, 5 says, A father to the fatherless, a defender of widows, is God in his holy dwelling. You guys get the point, right? Why a father? Why not a mother (laughs) or a brother or a sister? But I think you guys are pretty, you know, it's pretty clear why we don't want God to be our, like, brother or sister, right? So I won't have to explain that one why. For for me, at least, it it would be a little interesting to have God who has characteristics of a sibling. But when you look at the characteristics and the role of a father, it becomes pretty clear why God is our father. So... In general, what's a, what's a father's role? Just in the world, apart from the Bible, what's a father's role? There was... Oh. <laughs> I think somebody, somebody was trying to answer. I'm sorry. But I, I, I'm just going to list like 10, think, 10 roles of a father that um, yeah, the, the world kind of uh, categorized. And first is priest. It, it make, it, the father's role is to make sure that the family lives according to the commandments and will of God. Second, protector, not just physically safe, physical safety, but emotional security, financial security, and others. Provider, fourth, teacher, fifth, playmate, sixth, companion, seventh, trainer, eighth, talent developer, nine is interesting, procreator. (laughs) But he also has the responsibility of teaching his children that sex is a gift from God. And tenth is a servant. And researchers have found that children who have fathers in their lives learn better, have higher self-esteem, and show fewer signs of depression than the children without fathers. And the children who perceive their fathers as supportive feel a greater sense of social acceptance. 
And father involvement makes a, a huge difference, whether in the areas of intellectual development, gender role development, or psychological development. So fathers bring emotional, physical, spiritual security to the children and help them develop with the right identity. And that's why the father's words matter so much. So when God created the world, although he, God himself is not a male or female, he took on that identity as a father so that he can play that role of a father for us. And most import- importantly, so that he can adopt us as his sons through his own son, Jesus Christ. For me, God's identity as a, as a father was a very difficult concept to grasp when I was growing up. It actually made me not want to get closer to this God if he were to be like my earthly father. Uh, I had two earthly fathers growing up. And one is my biological dad who gave birth to me, who's actually sitting here with us as I'm preaching this message. (laughs) So I got his permission to share his part of the uh, testimony as well. And the other was my stepfather who uh, my mom got remarried to when I was 13. I'll differentiate these two by saying, calling them dad and stepdad. <laughs> so you guys don't get confused. Because sometimes my husband gets confused. I'm like, which one are you talking about? Um, um, yeah. But to give a little bit of background for my story, I was born and raised in Korea, actually, in the city of Incheon, where the international airport is. So everybody knows where that is, right? Uh, until I was in seventh grade. That's where I grew up. And my family was what I considered to be a normal family uh, consisting of four. For uh, me, my mom, my brother, my dad. My younger brother is actually nine years younger than me. So he's like my baby brother. Uh, growing up, we were a bit poor. My parents fought a lot because of that. Um, but I considered it normal because it seemed to be that way with all of my friends' families too. And my dad was loving. He was kind and funny as he still is, but he also had a side of him that made me feel scared at times. He had his good days and bad days, and the bad ones were pretty bad. I was um, able to understand his spiritual condition later as I grew with the Lord, but at the time, my dad was struggling with depression, fits of rage, distrust, insecurity, and a lot of emotional wounds. So I remember walking on eggshells around my dad as a kid. When I was in seventh grade, our family moved to America, and that's when things got worse for my parents. Soon after we moved there, maybe a year later, my parents were physically separated by the cops for my dad abusing and threatening to kill my mom for the first time. That was his first time laying hands on my mom. So they put a restriction on my dad not to come near us for a year. And within just a few months, my mom moved in with my stepdad and his two sons. So, and the stepdad raised me for another 12 years until right before I got married in 2000, married in 2011. And to make a long story short, my mom divorced him after a long, painful marriage of uh, verbal abuse and unfaithfulness on his part. So you can only imagine during those 12 years of living with my stepdad, my image of a father got really distorted and twisted. When I thought of a father, the image I got was someone who doesn't fully accept me or love me. And this is mostly coming from growing up with my stepfather because I was separated from my dad when I was younger. 
but my father was, the image I had was someone that compares me, measures me with my other siblings, didn't believe in me, but rather constantly doubted me, didn't enjoy providing for me, was not merciful with my mistake, or constantly called me out for my wrongdoings. And sadly, this is the image I had of God the Father as well. You see, because our earthly father is supposed to represent our heavenly father. But sadly, unfortunately, many of us don't have the best father figures in our lives. So our God the Father is often mispresented as well. When my Christian friends told me in high school how I should go to church and believe in God because he's my father, I said, heck no. (laughs) No, thank you. Because I don't need another father in my life. The one I'm dealing with right now is enough for me. And as a teenager, I had my walls up. I was depressed and angry at the world. I mean, you can't even imagine, right, anymore? <laughs> but I was, I was once angry and depressed. Um, and I actually met some of the people from New Philly back then, and they can tell you all about it, how they were, like, even scared of me because I was so, like, like don't come near me, I'm going to hurt you kind of face. <laughs> I was just basically acting like a wounded animal. Because I didn't want anybody coming in and hurting me again. I didn't feel secure at home, so I didn't feel secure outside of the home. You know, when kids make fun of you or they speak badly of you, you know, just being kids, there's a father figure to tell you that's not true. That's not who you are. But I didn't have that. So I just became so insecure because I was taking on all the lies that the kids would speak over me as as if it is true. And... But I can say that there was God's grace in that part because because I had my mother who was constantly with me, was loving, and taught me what's wrong and what's right. Uh, thankfully, I didn't go all bad with a bad crowd and did all the bad things. Uh, God really kept me uh, with his grace. So this was a spiritual condition I was in when I entered uh, into college and met God. So I didn't know God until this point. But in 2004... I went to Virginia Tech. Nobody. (laughs) Okay. Yay, husband. Thank you. Uh, uh, And God opened my heart towards him, actually, right before I entered into college, through a movie called The Passion of the Christ. How many of you guys know that movie? (laughs) Come on. (laughs) Yeah, it came out when I was in high school. Um, and I, I wasn't even a Christian then, but I just went to go watch it because all my friends were watching it, you know. So I, I was watching the movie, and I didn't have any concept of Jesus. I didn't have any understanding of what was going on. But at the scene where Jesus is, you know, he was a carpenter, com- carpenter, so he made a table. And there's a scene where he's goofing around with his mother, Mary. Like, he's like... You know, his mom just tells me, like, the table's too high. And he's like, what, like this? You know, and like, really goofy scene. Um, it's just a kind of like um, humorous scene, supposed to be. But it stuck with me so hard. For me, because that was my first time seeing something, like seeing a God figure as someone that's approachable. That's someone not too stern or not too scary or judgmental. So for me, I'm like, man, if Jesus is someone like that, someone who can make jokes... I want to get to know who this Jesus is. So guys, movies are powerful. Movies. (laughs) God can use movies. (laughs) So in the fall of 2004, I went to tech. And when I went there, I voluntarily went to a Christian fellowship. And 
I was actually wanting to find out who God is. So I started reading the Bible because how else can I find out who God is? And soon joined a small group and found myself in a family of God where people were genuine, hungry for God, and loving. And one of them was my small group leader, John Michael. <laughs> um, through his leadership, I was a freshman. He was a fifth year then because he studied engineering. And through his leadership, I saw the God the Father's heart for me. And John Michael was simply reflecting God's, God the Father's love to us, the small group, through his patience and kind, you know, kind and selfless love. But that was actually the first time that many of us had a male authority figure showing us so much grace. So there were so many, like, so many sisters like me in my class, all, like, tiny, too. <laughs> so, like, a whole bunch of tiny girls with all these father issues and broken family. But we all followed John Michael around because he was so... <laughs> Because he was so loving, he was so fatherly, and we just wanted more of that father's heart, more of that glimpse of, wow, this is what God's love is. So we followed him around, so we actually called him Mama Goose because he was the tall goose with the little ducklings like following him around. But I know this is weird because now that we're married, <laughs> this wasn't intended. Uh, you guys have to understand that this was 10 years ago when I had just got out of, gotten out of high school. I was so wounded. I had needed so much healing. I just received Christ. I was at a completely different place then. And it only, it took like six years, seven years of our friendship. And, uh, like later coming out, I was at, I was at a different place. I was at a place where he could actually see me as a peer, see me as a woman instead of his like little spiritual daughter kind of person, you know? So the wrong image of God I had because of my experience with my earthly father slowly began to get fixed and restored by the people of God. And once I knew who my heavenly father is, everything in my life began to change. I fell in love with God so hard. Like, I, I, I just, it, there was no point. I went to a point of no return. After I met the Lord, and until now, it's been just so much an exciting, so much of an exciting journey. And I wish I could tell you all about how amazing it's been to walk with the Lord. But I think... Just me being here, being able to speak, being able to preach as a pastor of this campus just sums it all up, how God is amazing. And just having the revelation of God's love, how powerful that is. Mm. Yeah, it is powerful, guys, to know God as our Abba Father, our dearest Father. And I feel like many of you guys here can relate to my story. I'm a, I come across so many people from broken families. In fact, I'm actually serving a whole bunch of them because of our orphanage kids. Um, John Michael and I also uh, direct an orphanage ministry called Jerusalem Ministry, uh, where we work with orphans from Seoul. And it, it is a painful thing when we look around and see that it's not just people from America, people from Korea dealing with so many uh, father issues or um, family issues. And the kids are being raised in dysfunctional, broken families. It's, it's a heartbreaking thing. But I just want to say that that's also not an accident. God didn't accidentally put you in that family. God, has a, God doesn't make a mistake in putting you with the Father. Maybe that's not as loving and ideal, but he has a plan. He, had, he, he never makes a mistake, and you are in the family, and you are in this church for, that, for a reason. There's a reason why 
you are in that family. There's a reason why you are here in this family of God. When I was praying for our Shilim campus, and I asked God for what his visions are for our campus, and I kept hearing restoration of families, restoration of families. And guys, God wants to restore our family of God here first. And that's why we, you know, have these bonding retreats and, you know, we want to be family first here. You know, God says in Psalm 68, like I read earlier, he says the lonely in families and he set me in a family of God when I was at the lowest point of my life. And God also wants to put each and every one of you in the spiritual family of God so that you can experience healing like I did. And once, you know, what he's, he wants to do, once you get healed, delivered, be filled with his love and charged with God's love, you know what he wants to do? He wants to send, send you back to, into that family as an ambassador of reconciliation. As salt and light. That doesn't mean you're the savior of your family. That's not true. That's never your burden to carry for your family. But God is the author and perfecter of your family. And your job is to acknowledge that and keep praying, hoping and grounding your faith in God for your family. So I want to give four steps for those who want to see transformation in your family. Four steps. First step is receive your Abba Father's love. Just like I did. That was a turning point for me. And you know, you can only give what you have received. And Jesus said in John 5.19 that the son can do nothing by himself. He can do only what he sees his father doing. Because whatever the father does, the son also does. You know how a baby can learn how to smile? It's by watching people smile. They mimic your mom, you know, his mom smiling at the baby. You know, my cousin had a baby a couple of years ago and this baby would not smile. I have never seen a baby that was so serious. It was just staring at me as I was holding her. And I realized, I'm like, why is she so serious? And I looked at my cousin and he's like, <laughs> so it only makes sense, right? Kids learn what they see in their parents. Kids learn what they, you know, see their father does. So we can only give what we already know how to do. And the same thing with receiving the father's love. We can only give what we have already received. So if you want to give love to your family, you need to first receive it from the Lord. And that's what happened to me. That's what happened to my dad. That's what happened to my brother. And I mentioned before how my dad, he's here today. And if you ever met him and talked with him, you would have been so surprised to hear me share about how he used to be before. Right? <laughs> some, of, some of the people are like, yeah. <laughs> but, you know, if you don't know him, I'll just tell you. My d- dad received Christ a few years ago. Once I was saved, I started contending for my family's salvation. And God saved my dad and my younger brother very quickly. And my mom is still cooking. <laughs> I'm working on her. I'm praying. But she's pretty close. But my dad and I, you know, we didn't live together, so we just saw each other a few times a year. And I actually found out about his salvation when, because I started seeing transformation in his life. You know, I, whenever I would see him, because I see him only a few times a year, I'm like, I, he seems more happy. 
And he seems more gentle, more thankful. And he started mentioning God here and there in his stories. I'm like, what God are you talking about? Because it better be God, you know, the, the one we believe in. So I'm like, what do you mean? Like, are you saved, Dad? And he's like, what are you talking about? I've always been the son of God. <laughs> so I'm like, okay. <laughs> I'm sorry, I didn't know you were saved. But I just... I couldn't believe it. I saw it in his life, how God just started transforming him. And he confirmed that when, you know, he knew that I was praying for his salvation. And whenever I would mention him about Jesus, he used to be like, uh, just keep that to yourself. But he um, said that one time he just felt convicted. Okay, I'm going to go to church and give it a try. And he actually grew up in church when he was younger. So he went back and uh, his actually roommates were like Christians too. So they <laughs> took him. And he said at the one at one of the altar calls when the pastor said to come out if you want to receive Jesus, he just went up and received Christ. So I was like, wow, that's amazing. Like I, I only prayed. I couldn't do much physically to like if I keep evangelizing to him. I, I did it whenever I had a chance, but it was mostly prayer. I just kept praying for him, kept praying for him. It's going to happen. Prayers are more powerful than, and effective than me speaking to him. So I just left it to the Lord and God did it. God just saved my dad and he transformed him radically. He's a different man now, you know. (laughs) But he's on fire for the Lord. He's on fire for the Lord. And he loves him so much. He actually came out to Korea because he was obeying the voice of God. He had to drop his job there and also come out here. But it was God-led thing, kind of like how I came out. You know, it's a whole different story. But I came out because God told me to come out as well. Um, But he has a huge heart to serve the orphans as well. So I believe he will join us, join me and John Michael in our ministry one day, you know, in the future. And I can tell you that he's the most joyful, loving, sweet dad I, I could ever ask for. That's God's transforming power, guys. His power of love is indescribable. It's unfathomable. You can't expect what God can do with his transforming power. Hmm. Yeah, so it first starts by you having the revelation of God's love for you. And you have to receive it. You have to accept it. And the greatest sign of God's love is that he sent his one and only son for you. That Jesus will die on the cross for you so that you can be cleansed of all sin and can be adopted as his own son. You are no longer a slave. You are an heir. And he gives you the right to call him Abba, Father, my dearest father. So guys, receive that. Receive that love. There is nothing you have to do to receive that love. There's nothing you have to do to win that love, earn that love, or get approved by him. There's nothing you have to do. God is already just pouring that upon you. Just receive it. Take it and accept it. And the second, um, second step is to forgive your father. If you haven't already, forgive your father. And this goes, this is, This is the same for a mother, a family member, whoever is in your family that you have a hard time loving and contending for, is to forgive them. You know, forgiveness is also something that you have to receive first in order for you to give, like God's love. Jesus, when he was being crucified on the cross, he prayed, Father, forgive them for they do not know what they're doing. 
For Jesus, his disciples didn't stand up for him when he was getting taken away. They all left him. His closest friend, Peter, denied him three times. He kept telling people, I don't even know that guy, even though Jesus discipled him for three years. The very people he came to save and give life to put him on a cross and mocked him, spat on him, whipped him, and cast lots for his clothes as he was hung on that tree. But his response wasn't one of bitterness, anger, or victim mentality, but it was one of love. He said, Father, forgive them. And compared to Jesus, we have no excuse not to be able to forgive other people. And it's a choice we have to make. Jesus just says, you have shown me so much grace. I want to extend the same grace to my father as well or to my family. You know, forgiving someone doesn't mean you're saying their actions were right. You're not saying I'm going to ignore what you did and say that's okay. That's not forgiveness. True forgiveness is when you acknowledge that that person has wronged you. I was hurt. I was hurt by what you said. I was hurt by the things you said to me. And I'm, I'm, you know, I need healing from it. But true forgiveness is even though you have hurt me and I know it, I don't want to hold that against you. I don't want to hold your actions against you. And I'm going to show you grace. And I want to forgive you. That's true forgiveness. You know, my dad, when he got saved a year or two later, he felt convicted to ask my mom for forgiveness. And I, mu- I mentioned earlier that their breakup wasn't, it was one of, that was pretty hard, especially for my mom. And this was actually right before I got married in December 2000, 2010. Well, we didn't get married that year, but it was in that uh, month of December that I went back home for something for a month. And a lot of things happened in my family before I got married. So God was kind of like preparing and bringing restoration and healing upon my family. So when I went home, I, you know, my dad shared with me how he wants to ask my mom for forgiveness. So I set a meeting for them. So they met, met in IHOP in Virginia, which is not the International House of Prayer, but International House of Pancakes. <laughs> yep. It's like one of the few places that are like open till late, you know. So my dad my, and my mom sat face to face. And my dad asked my mom to forgive him all that he's done wrong. And my mom's response back was, I've already forgiven you a long time ago. And he's done the same with me and my brother. He sat us down separately and asked for forgiveness for the way he's hurt us. And also told us of his struggles for the first time of when he was growing up, living under an abusive stepmother and not having his father around for almost all his life. You know, and that's why there's so much love between me and my, my brother and my dad now. It's like we can't compare it to any relationship we could have with anybody else because there was true forgiveness. You know, forgiveness removes all emotional poison. It removes barriers, walls, and it's, it may not always be both ways, depending on the, whether the person is ready or not, the one that you're asking for forgiveness for. But for you, at least the one who forgives, you gain freedom. You gain spiritual, emotional freedom from locking yourself in bitterness, locking yourself in, um, in hatred or anger. You're getting free. You're getting set free from those emotions and all those poison. And because of my dad and my mom being able to forgive each other, some strangely good things happened recently. <laughs> and I explain what that means. 
So my mom is now remarried, and she has a seven-year-old daughter. And my mom and dad had to keep in touch because of different uh, like family, like logistic reasons. And my, my brother actually also always lived with my dad. So to keep in touch with my brother, it was always kind of like, you know, they kept in touch. And my dad heard of like how my mom has a daughter now and she, he started getting like snacks for her and got like allowance for her to give and whatnot. And my, my mom's husband heard of it and he was moved by it. So he's like, invite him over for dinner. <laughs> and uh, when my mom first told me like that he wants to have a picnic with everybody, including my dad and my brother being there, I was like, no, mom, that's really weird. <laughs> I was like, oh, I, that's unheard of. Like, I, no, that's awkward. But it happened. So they had a picnic with my mom, my brother, my dad, and my mom's husband and my mom's daughter. This Weird, strange family, right? So they met up and they really clicked. Especially my mom's husband and dad really clicked in a strange way. <laughs> so from time to time, I would get text message of a picture of them having dinner. Yeah, you know, like we went out to go eat crabs together and like all six of them, you know. <laughs> and I'm like, this is really strange. <laughs> you know, but when I kept thinking about it, I think that's what it would be like in heaven. I think that's a little glimpse of heaven. You know, there's no more sorrow, anger, pain in heaven. And we will all be brothers and sisters in heaven. It doesn't matter if you are my ex-wife or if you are my, you know, my hateful ex-best friend or whatever that was. In heaven, there's no more offense. There's no more walls. There's no more emotional poison that's going to keep your love away from each other. And that's only possible to see that happen here on earth is only possible because of God's grace. It's truly a miracle. I've never heard of a story like this, but it's happening in my own family. And I I feel like this is not just for me. This is not just a testimony for me. God is the same for you guys. God is the same God for you guys. He's not just the God who answers sky pastor sky's prayers. But he has heart for each and one of you guys as family members and your fathers. And that's his desire to bring such testimonies into your lives. That's his plan for you guys. It's not just for me. And um, third step, last step is to bless, pray, intercede for your father. Which all kind of like means the same thing. Bless, bless your father or keep interceding for your father. You know, you can be honest with him that it's not easy. For me, it was so much harder to forgive my stepdad because, you know, I don't want to go into details, but his influence in my life was much, much greater because I lived with him through my teenage years and also had my stepbrothers and, you know, latter half of my life. But so I had to do a lot of renouncing of lies because the things that my stepdad would speak over me, the lies that he would speak over me, like, you're, you're no good. Or you're not going to, you know, succeed. Like, you're not really good at this. Like, these lies, I had to renounce them. Renounce means to forsake. It means to completely get rid of. So say you are a Nazi. You want to renounce the lie that you are, or you want to renounce the identity as a Nazi. That means you get rid of everything that shows that you, you know, shows the identity of you as a Nazi. 
the clothes, the swastika, everything that shows that you are a Nazi, you have to get rid of them. That's what the word and power of the word renounce means. So during our healing and deliverance uh, sessions, what we do is have people renounce the lies because these are obviously lies that shouldn't have, you shouldn't have taken for yourself. Um, and, but that's like more in-depth inner healing that uh, you can talk to like your small group leaders. If you feel like you want to go through the step of really uh, walking through forgiveness and blessing of your family members, I, so I encourage you to talk to, talk to your uh, like CG, mem- CG leaders about it and if you're familiar leaders about it and go through the steps of it. But, you know, when you're praying for your family, the prayer should be, God, help me to see my father through your eyes. Because, you know, as much as it's hard to look beyond what we are faced with, you know, the, the hurtful things that he says or the mean things that he would do or, you know, the reality of how he's not loving or whatever, what we have to pray into is the spiritual. Because Ephesians 6.12 says that for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. So when we're praying for our family, we're not really going head on against the physical things that are happening. What you're praying against is the spiritual force that is behind these actions. What's causing my stepdad to act in rage? It's probably his own uh, stronghold of, you know, painful childhood or his own reasons of why he's being controlled by these kind of spirits. That's what I'm going against. It's not my stepdad. I'm going to try to fight him or speak love over him. Um, yeah, I do, but... It's more in the spirit, the prayers of the righteous man are powerful and effective. It's more powerful than when you can physically try to uh, solve the problem. So, one, yeah, ask for God to show you your dad or your mom through his spiritual eyes. Because they're probably under, you know, some kind of struggle themselves. So they're not who they really are. You know, they're meant to be someone greater, just like you guys are. Our parents are meant to be somebody greater. Like how my dad, you know, was able to come to that identity. God brought him out and put him as the person he's supposed to be now. And that's the same for your parents. And your prayers shouldn't be change my family or fix my family. And, but it should be rather get them closer to you. Get them closer to you. Because that's a self, selfish prayer when you say, fix them or change them. But selfless prayer is, um, bring them just closer to you. May they know you. May they have a revelation of your goodness. So that everything else, it's in your hands. You know? And ask him for more faith. Like when I look in the Bible, especially if you need more faith of God's grace, of forgiving his forgiving and transforming power over wicked people, Go to the Old Testament. Go to Second Kings and First Kings and see how many times God forgives them no matter how, many, how much of wicked things they do. Like King Nebuchadnezzar and Manasseh, Manasseh they, they did all sorts of wicked things that all of you probably would never do. You know, they sacrificed their own children because of idolatry. But when they turned from their wicked ways and asked God for forgiveness, God did. God intervened and God forgave them. So look to these trans, um, testimonies and for other people's testimonies as well. Like the one I'm sharing. And at Friday Fire, Pastor Marcus also shared a testimony of his mother. 
Uh, recently having a breakthrough, how Pastor Marcus was able to pray for her over the phone, prophesy over her, and just speak truth over her. And she was weeping on the phone. And it's a beautiful story. And that's the plan and desire God has for every single one of you guys' family. Um, <laughs> there's no clock. <laughs> Keep going. Okay. So... I want to point out that it's not a coincidence for your campus pastor to have such a radical testimony of family, specifically. God's transforming, healing, redeeming power of family. And it's not a coincidence that when John Michael and I were being anointed by Pastor Christian and Pastor Aaron on the first day here, first Sunday, my dad was here, and he was actually just visiting then. He wasn't trying to or planning on becoming a member, but he is now going through a membership process. (laughs) Hallelujah. (laughs) Yeah, but when PC anointed us, he pointed out the fact that, hey, Jie, which is my Korean name, your dad is here today. And that's not a coincidence. And he prayed that the same testimony will be released in this house. And I, I, I didn't remember that until later because I was crying so hard. But it just all clicked in my head. These are not coincidences. And it's not a coincidence that my dad decided to become a member here because he didn't feel led to do that when he was in Itaewon. He came to Itaewon to worship with us before when we were uh, pastors there. But this was a God-led thing that he decided to do to become a member of this family. I feel like God really has a plan for this church to bring restoration among families, to restore them. And it's one of many plans for New Philly, but New Philly Shilin, but it's definitely one of the strongest ones on his heart. And I want to release that testimony today as a spirit of prophecy over this house today. So um, if I could invite up the worship team, I want to lead us to just some time of prayer and altar call.